Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 as you're there in romans chapter 5 i want to begin by just kind of being frank with you and when we look around and we kind of take a temperature of our world and where the world is at where our country is at where our state is at where our community is at you look around and you see a lot of sickness and I'm not just referring to COVID. I mean, COVID is dangerous. COVID is a very grave sickness, very grave disease. But there's a sickness that runs much deeper into the fabric of who we are as people, as humanity, than even COVID can reach. And it's far more dangerous, far more deadly, and the effects of it are far more reaching than even COVID. Angel was so kind as to create this map. I want you guys to see this map. So we can kind of put this into perspective. There's a map here of the spread, a time-lapse map of the spread of COVID. The first cases were reported in China, the Wuhan province, in December 2019. That's why it's called COVID-19. And over the course of the next few months, you can see time-lapse-wise how this one case or few cases in this province in China that were kind of linked to a seafood market there, I think 29 of the first 41 cases all could find their roots in this one seafood market there in this province of Wuhan in China. And the, over the course of the next few months, the disease spread one person to another to another until by the end, by where we're at today here in July 2020, that it basically reaches the farthest reaches of the world. It has gone everywhere. This sickness has spread. The disease has spread rampantly. There's no stopping it. It's so contagious. That's why we're challenged to do things like wear masks and wash our hands and all of these different things because of how deadly this disease is considered by the world community. My worry and my fear is that the world is far sicker than COVID could ever make us, but we're not diagnosing the illness properly. If I go to a doctor because I'm sick, I want to go to a doctor who understands their stuff. I want to go to a doctor who understands symptoms. And when I sit in the chair or I sit on their table and I explain to them the symptoms that I'm experiencing, these are my symptoms. I have a dratchy throat or I have a dry cough or I have a headache or my stomach is hurting or whatever the case may be. I want to be able to give them my symptoms and I'm expecting them to be able to have enough knowledge to be able to listen to my symptoms to have enough medical expertise to diagnose me based upon those symptoms and some tests that they might run now if I go to the doctor and I say doctor listen I'm having these incredible headaches my head is constantly pounding and it's just it's very frustrating I can't concentrate I can't sleep I'm having trouble eating because my head is it's aching so much it's just throbbing pain that I cannot get rid of and my doctor looks me in the eye and he says, well, you know what? I think I have an answer for you. I think I understand what you're going through. It's something called headaches. I'm going to look at my doctor and I'm going to say, duh, it's a headache. 
right? I understand it's a headache. My head is throbbing. That's what I just told you. I don't want to know that I have a headache. I don't want you to regurgitate my symptoms. I need you to diagnose the cause to my headaches. Tell me why I'm having the headaches so I can get rid of them. Here's the thing. Our world is sick, but we've been shackled in a sense. The enemy has duped us, tricked us, as the church and as our culture in shaming us from actually being able to diagnose what the problem is. What we're going to see here in Romans chapter 5 when we pick this up in verse 12 is Paul here is going to diagnose the sickness, the disease that the world has. Every single last one of us has this sickness and this disease. There's not a single one of us that is exempt from this disease. We've all caught this sickness. And Paul here is going to unashamedly share with the world, share with you today, share with me today, what my diagnosis is. He's going to say, listen, if you want to cure your symptoms, you have to know the cause to those symptoms. You have to know the disease you're dealing with. You have to understand the disease that you've been stricken with. And so today what Paul is going to do is he's going to share with us just that. So if you have your Bibles, let's pick it up in Romans chapter 5 verse 12. And we're going to read a few verses and come back before we get through this all. So verse 12 says, therefore, again, he's shifting gears here. That's the connector verse. That's just the connector word. Therefore, because of God's great love, because he's reconciled us, if you look further back in Romans chapter 5, because he demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Because of all of that, therefore, because of all of those things, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Let's pause there. If you're taking notes or if you have notes through the app or through online, however you have that, First point I want you to make note of is that we are all in danger of this infection. This is an infection that has put us all at risk. And if we're not careful, we're going to miss the fact that we've already been stricken with this disease and we're not going to address the problem that really is there, the root cause to what's going on in our world. Paul begins this portion and he says, therefore, just as sin came into the world, the word sin there literally in the Greek is the sin. Not just any sin. He's referring back to the fall. He's referring back to the Garden of Eden. He's referring back to the fact that man, in our pride and in our arrogance, we hear the serpent tempting us saying, if you partake of that fruit, you can be like God. God had said, don't partake of that fruit. If you partake of it, if you even so much as touch that fruit, you will surely die. But the serpent comes along, again, the same devil, the same serpent that was cast down from heaven in Isaiah chapter 14. Why was he cast down? Because pride had welled up in his heart. The enemy, Satan himself, Lucifer, he says this, he says, I can be like God. I will ascend to the throne. I will be like the most high. I'm going to receive this worship. And because of it, he's cast down into the earth. And when he comes to the earth and he comes to the garden, he comes to man and he tempts him with the same exact sin, that same exact pride. You can be like God if you'll just ignore God's commands. If you'll just turn your face away from what God has for you and let me distract you just for a moment. Just come in here a little bit closer. Let me get you into the same situation that I'm in where I was cast from heaven and separated from God. This is the ploy. And so we were caught in the same trap that Satan himself was. We were caught in this same pride. And most of you 
who are struggling through issues in your life, you can trace back the root of that sin. The root of that sin would be pride. You're thinking of yourself more than you're thinking about the others around you. You're more concerned with your happiness or your blessedness than the people around you. This is what happened with Satan. This is what happened with Eve. This is what happened with Adam. So there's this one sin he's talking about. Therefore, just as the sin, just as the fall came into the world through one man, again, speaking of Adam, that word through means to penetrate It means to breach. It means to kick down the doors. And so sin kicked down the doors into humanity, into the hearts of men through one man, the man Adam. This is our problem. This is the problem that we all have. Adam was patient zero. He was the one who started with the sickness, the illness, and the disease. He's the beginning of all of our problems. The world's problems are there. The world's problems exist because of Adam's original sin. You look around again, And we can diagnose very easily or we can identify very easily the symptoms of our sickness, the symptoms of our disease. If our disease is sin, if our disease is sinfulness and the sin that is in the hearts of men, the symptoms are easy to identify. The problem in our culture today, though, is that we're chasing the symptoms rather than addressing the problem, rather than addressing the disease. The disease is sin. The symptoms look like COVID-19. The symptoms look like racism. The the symptoms look like poverty. The symptoms look like the political climate in our own country. We're falling apart. The symptoms look like all of these different things, but the root cause, the issue that we really need to address is the sin that is in the hearts of men. But here's what the enemy has done. The enemy has crippled the church and really crippled our nation and crippled the world because he's convinced our culture that it's not okay to call sin, sin, that that's offensive. Imagine if I was training to become a doctor, and I was sitting under another doctor, and and a patient comes before us, and I feel like, you know what, the diagnosis, the reason why this person is struggling with these symptoms that they're having is cancer's at the root of the cause of this. We need to diagnose this patient with cancer. And the person overseeing my training says to me, well, you can't really use that word cancer. The word cancer is not really politically correct. We can't use the word cancer. You have to figure out another way. Figure out another way to diagnose them. Well, how about we diagnose them with, and we say that there's a tumor that is growing. Well, people don't really like to talk about tumors because tumors can kind of be scary. People are afraid of tumors, so you can't use the word tumor. Well, how about I use the word growth? Well, you can't really use the word growth because that implies that something's growing inside of them that they might not want, and that can be deemed offensive. It just doesn't make sense. We got to call the disease what it is in order to address the symptoms, in order to find and seek the healing. What the enemy's done in our culture is he's crippled us from calling sin, sin. Instead, we call it alcoholism, or we have trouble coping, or we have anger issues. No, we are sinful people who are in need of healing from Jesus. That's the truth, and that's what we need to be able to share. Now, how difficult would it be for the medical profession to diagnose disease if they couldn't use the words that adequately describe those diseases? That's what's happening here in our culture. There's this post going around social media sites, and it was quoting Second Chronicles chapter 17, that this was being taken down on all these different social media sites because it violated their standards of rules or whatever the case may be. And I don't know whether or not that's true or not. I know a lot of you maybe shared and reposted that, but this verse is worth quoting here. Listen to what the verse says, Second Chronicles chapter 7. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, or disease among my people, if my people, who are called by my name, 
humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Listen, people cannot turn from their wicked ways unless they know what their wicked ways are. Unless we're able to call sin, sin, there's no possible way for people to repent. The cure for their sin is repentance, turning from that sin and turning to the cross, turning from the worldliness and turning to the things of heaven, the things of God, the things of Christ. So if we cannot properly diagnose the condition of our culture, we will never be able to see people healed and set free. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear. We need to be able to tell people, you need to turn from your sin and turn to God. You need to repent. Now, here's the trouble that I see in the church. Because there are people in the church, within the church, I'm talking within the church, not just in our culture, within the church, who've kind of bought into this idea that we can't call sin, sin. We have to treat people differently. We can't offend people with that word sin. But then on the other opposite end of the spectrum, there are those people who are too blatant or too harsh or too cruel with calling sin, sin. Jesus came, and the scripture says this, that we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of both grace and truth. They have to be tethered together. Grace and truth. And there's so many believers who are out there and are calling sin, sin, but they're offensive. And here's the thing, yes, the gospel is offensive, yes, we can't keep all of that from happening, but you have to make sure that your truth is tethered with grace. You have to make sure that you're speaking, as as Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 4, that you're speaking the truth in love. See, my concern with many people in the church today is that, and I've said this before, that you're more concerned with winning an argument or proving an ideological point than you are about winning a soul to Christ. What do people remember when they leave an interaction with you? What do people remember about you when they walk away from a social media interaction? What do people remember about you when they walk away from a conversation? Are you wanting them to remember your intelligence or maybe your articulation or your incredible wit or how well studied or versed you are in a particular topic? Or do you want people to walk away from an interaction with you on social media or a conversation with you face-to-face and think that person is filled with love for me? Because that's what I want. I want people to walk away thinking, yes, that's a person who has compassion for me, who's not afraid to call sin, sin, but also I know that they're calling my sin, sin because of their great love for me. What do people remember when they walk away from that conversation with you? See, a compassionate person is someone who's willing to call sin, sin, but is willing to do it with both grace and with love. That's my desire for you. If we're going to be able to change and affect the symptoms that our culture is suffering from, racism, sickness, disease, poverty, unequal rights, if we're going to be able to address those symptoms, we're going to have to get to the root cause of the problem, and that is sin that is deep within the hearts of men. And the only way that that can happen effectively is if you take a step back and you remember that you were once those people who didn't understand the gospel, that you were once that lost person, that you put yourself in someone else's shoes just for a moment and you speak to them with the same love and the same grace and the same compassion that you wish someone had spoken to you with when you needed it. How would things look differently if maybe we took seriously the gospel's call to share the truth in both grace and love? So Paul here, he begins, therefore, 
just as sin came into the world through Adam, the door was kicked down. We were breached. We were penetrated with sin through one man and death through sin. Now think about that just for a moment because they're partners. Sin brings with it death. Wherever sin is at, death is sure to follow. Death. Now, I don't want that for my culture. I don't want that for my community. But wherever sin exists, untethered, there also will be death. Now, there are three kinds of death that I want you to take note of that the Bible speaks of. Again, if you're taking notes, I want you to write these three things down. You're going to be able to study these things more in detail in your life groups this week. The first one is physical death. Very simply put, it's when the spirit is separated from your physical body. When your body stops breathing, your body is no longer alive. Here's the thing, though, is that's just a physical death. Each of us has a spirit that will live on for eternity, and that spirit will either dwell in the presence of God or will dwell separated from his presence for all of eternity, but it will live on. And so there's a physical death. Second kind of death is there's a spiritual death. Again, the word death means a separation, just like the spirit and the body are separated. A spiritual death is when you are separated from God. There are many of you, maybe who are even listening right now, who are walking around spiritually dead. You are separated from the love of God. You are separated from His grace, His goodness, His mercy, His loving kindness, His compassion. Why? Because you haven't confessed Jesus as your Savior yet. So you are walking, living, breathing, yes, in your body, but physically you are dead. Why? Because you are separated from God. Just like Adam was cast from the garden cast from God's presence, you are separated from God's presence. Even though you're alive physically, you are dead spiritually. The third kind of death is an eternal death. This is something the Bible refers to as the second death. And this is the enemy's desire for every single person walking around today. He sees in us the image of God. We were created in God's image. And when the enemy sees that image walking around, he hates it. And he wants us to be eternally separated from God's presence. And so this second death, this eternal death, is his desire for each of us. In Revelation chapter 20, we read of how there are these books that are opened. There's something called the great white throne judgment. And all of the people who are dead, who died not confessing Jesus, they come and they stand before this throne. And a book is open called the book of life. And if their name is not found written in the book of life, there are other books that are open that contain all of the wicked deeds that have been recorded against that person. And they are judged according to their works. And the scripture says that death and Hades give up the dead and they are cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death eternal death, eternally separated from God. No chance for reconciliation at that point. Listen to me, this morning, if you're walking around and you're spiritually dead, you're separated from God's presence, there is still hope for you. As long as you are breathing, as long as there is a breath in your lungs, God's desire is that you would be saved. The scripture says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants you to be saved today by confessing Jesus. You do not have to suffer that third death, that eternal death, if you will confess Jesus today. Jesus described that eternal death as a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. He described that place as a place where the worm never dies, decay is always happening, and that the fire is never quenched. It's an awe-inspiring thought to think of. But what's even more awe-inspiring than that is the fact that Jesus willingly suffered this separation for you and for me. On the cross, when Jesus hangs on that cross, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where have you gone? 
Why have you left me? In that moment, the scripture says, Jesus, who knew no sin, was made sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of Christ in him. That Jesus was made sin upon the cross, and when God looks down upon his only begotten son, and he's made sin in our place, that at that moment, there was a separation that took place. The separation that Jesus had never experienced and had never known. Jesus suffered that separation upon the cross so that you and I would never have to suffer that separation. So that you and I would never have to cry out those words, my God, my God, why have you left me? My friends, Jesus wants you to come to life today. He doesn't want you to suffer being spiritually dead not one day longer. Again, our sickness is sin, what the sin causes in us. The, the sin kicks down the door and it brings with it its friend death. And inside each of us, we are dead. See, the gospel is not about making bad men good. Jesus came to make dead men live, to bring dead men to life. That is what the gospel is. Listen to what it says again. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. Again, we saw that picture, the time lapse of the model of what it looks like for the COVID to spread. Sin has spread to all of us. All of us have sin deep down within us. That word spread means to pass down. It's like passing down traits, like hereditary traits that can be passed down. There's a reason why I'm bald, right? Because that was passed down to me genetically. And some Bible scholars, commentators actually believe that at the fall of Adam, that man's DNA, that our genetic code was altered. And now sin is passed down genetically through the bloodline. That's why the sin of alcoholism can be passed down. We suffer from things like heart disease or obesity or some mental illnesses. Some of these things can be traced to hereditary concerns. And so this is passed down from generation to generation. Well, Adam, our great, 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 you can go on for a lot of times, our great-great-grandfather passed this down to us, this sinfulness. And here, just as a sidebar, this is why it's really ridiculous for racism to exist. This is why the symptom of the sin in our hearts just makes no sense. Because we can all trace our lineage back to Adam. We're all related, right? We're all related, but here, it exists nonetheless. And some of you might be thinking, well, this is just not fair. Why should I have to suffer for the sins of Adam? Why should I have to suffer because Adam couldn't keep it together in the garden? Why should I have to suffer for his sins? Well, some Bible scholars, some theologians have termed this federal headship. In essence, what this means is that Adam was our representative. He went and he represented all of man in the garden. And if you think about it, he was the best that we had to offer at the time. That there was not yet sin in the heart of man. There wasn't a genetic alteration within Adam. He didn't struggle with the same temptations that you and I do, the same lust that you and I do. He was there dwelling in the garden, in the midst of the garden, in the midst of the cool of the day. God would come and walk with Adam in their garden. If anyone had the opportunity, if anyone should have been able to withstand the temptation of sin, it was Adam. And if Adam can't withstand that temptation, why do I think in my right mind that I could have done any better? See, that's what that federal headship means. It means that he represented man for all of mankind. And because he fell, we all fell with him. Let me put it to you this way. Let me show you this picture. This guy's name is Abdul Rashid Suleyev, and he's the world heavyweight freestyle champion. No one better than him in the world. Heavyweight, 214 pounds, uh, 5'11 is his height. Now, this would be like me saying, Adam, you know what? It's not fair that you fell. It's not fair that I'm suffering for the consequences of your sin. It's not fair because I wasn't there and I didn't have an opportunity, right? 
We as a country send our best to go compete against the best of the world. And it just so happens that this man is Russian and he beat our best. It would be like me saying this, you know what, it's not fair that they get to call themselves the best wrestlers in the world because they didn't beat me. How many of you think that I have an, even a, a chance to beat this guy? Again, he's 5'11", 214 pounds. He's been wrestling his whole life. I'm 5'8", 180 pounds, and I don't know a lick about wrestling. I will not stand a chance. And it's the same thing when we say, you know what, it's not fair for me to suffer for Adam's sin. No, Adam was our representative. Just like we sent a representative to wrestle the Russians, Adam was our representative, and he fell. And when he fell, we all fell. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977